Before we get into the main part of the episode today, we wanted to remind you about the Friendlier Reading Experience, which is where we connect you with other readers to be part of your own virtual book club. You can find out more information about it and get the link to sign up on our website, friendlierpodcast.com. We'll be putting groups together at the end of January, so be sure to sign up in the next couple weeks. listening to Friendlier, the podcast for friends who love to talk, read, and eat. I'm Sarah. And I'm Abby. Today we're going to talk about routines, but first, let's catch up on life lately. What's new with you, Sarah? I thought I would do a little holiday recap since this is our first time back in the studio this year. I love how you said the studio like we have a studio <laughs> and we're not both in rooms in our houses. <laughs> it's my studio slash guest room. The things that worked really well this year were gift giving and planning ahead on that front. I finished purchasing all gifts by the first week of December, and that felt really good. In the past, I had tried to plan that far ahead, but there were lots of things and I thought, oh, that's not that big of a deal. And so I keep pushing it off Mm. and then it would all catch up to me right at the end. Yeah. The thing that didn't work very well this year was doing too much cooking on Christmas Eve. Mm. I wanted to make cinnamon rolls on Christmas Eve, which is something we've done in the past. But then I also wanted to make a Yule log, which I'll talk about in our eating lately section, and was also making food for Christmas Day so that Christmas Day would feel relaxed. Yeah. Which meant I spent all day in the kitchen. Oh, yeah. That's too much. It was. I think one thing I'll try next year is doing maybe a special dessert every weekend in December or even just Mm. the two things, having a fancy dessert like a Yule log one weekend, doing cinnamon rolls a different weekend, Yeah, which also feels like there'd be less pressure on it to be a success (laughs) because the cinnamon (laughs) rolls, they were fine, but they weren't as good as they could have been. Mm. And it felt more disappointing having that happen on Christmas Eve when I was putting all this effort and work into it. Right. Whereas if it was just a regular weekend, I'm not sure I'd feel that same sense. Like even mediocre cinnamon rolls on just a regular Saturday (laughs) might still be great. (laughs) Exactly. So I made some notes for myself in my planner for December to think about going into the holiday season in 2019 to remember those things that worked and the ones that didn't. Nice. The other thing that happened for us over the holidays was just lots of sickness of the kids Mm. to the point where HP left present opening partway through on Christmas morning to go lay down in his bed because he just felt really bad. That is rough. It was. Although he bounced back after having some medicine and mulched the garden with Neil. (laughs) (laughs) I said, HP, don't you think you should rest some more? And he said, no, I really want to go do the work. And so he mulched the garden. And then that evening I was asking him about Christmas and reflecting back on it and which parts he liked. And he said, mom, I'm just so glad we got that good work done in the garden today, (laughs) which is classic HP. I love that. (laughs) How was your holiday season? It was good. I think like your reflection on it, there were some things that worked and things that didn't. One thing that worked out really well was spreading out the celebration and presents. My in-laws came in town. 
the weekend before the weekend before Christmas. Mm -hmm. And they brought all of Plum's presents and wanted to watch her open them. Mm -hmm. So she got to do presents that whole weekend, which I think helped with her waiting for Christmas. Mm. Because anticipation when you're nearly three is very challenging (laughs) to cope with. Mm -hmm. So she got to go ahead and do all of that, which was great. And then there was less on actual Christmas. Mm -hmm. And then a similar thing happened in that we went and saw my mom's side of the family after Christmas. Mm -hmm. And so that spread out the celebration even more. And it contributed to a lower degree of things being overwhelming, I think, both for Plum and for us. Yes. We did travel a good bit, but it was low-key enough and spread out enough that it worked really well. What did not work for me about the holiday season was how much I worked. Mm -hmm. I ended up with an unanticipated writing assignment that I needed to get done that actually is not due till next week, but I had to do it because one of the scientists I had to talk to was going abroad. Mm. So I ended up having to work on that while we were out of town in addition to just my regular work. So maybe should make a note for myself (laughs) about curating my work a little better around the holiday season. I just mostly felt frustrated that I was having to do it and not hanging out with my family. That makes sense. This is also the life of a freelancer. So some of it is maybe unavoidable. Yeah. But we'll see how it goes. Just good to keep in mind for the next round. Agreed. Now let's talk about what we've been reading. What is your latest read, Sarah? Over the holidays, I read Becoming by Michelle Obama. Hooray! Yes, I was so far down on the wait list at the library. I think I was 97 on the physical copy. And then the OverDrive app told me I had more than six months to wait to get the audio version. Does it estimate the time? I think it actually does on Libby. Oh, okay. So if you use the other interface, then it'll tell you your estimated wait. And it didn't give me an exact. It just said more than six months. That's a long time. (laughs) But I went to the library just before we left on our trip to visit my family, and it was on the Bestseller Express, where you get it for seven days, and I thought, yes, this is what I'll be reading over the next week. Sounds awesome. (laughs) For those who don't know, it is a memoir of her life from her childhood all the way through her time at the White House. I loved everything about it. (laughs) I find her to be such an inspiring person, and hearing more about her life as she grew up and her courtship with Barack Obama and how she balanced her family life with her work life and how that changed through the years Mm -hmm. made for a great read at this time in my life as I'm thinking through a lot of those questions about how to balance my own desires with my partners, with our kids' needs, and how do you make that work in the system, especially when there can be these external factors. Obviously, Neil will not become the president and have those kind of... (laughs) demands on his life. But on a much smaller scale, I found it really relatable. (laughs) I love it. The one thing I'll say is that I wish there was more, especially in the White House section. Mm. I just found it really fascinating to hear about and think about what it would be like to raise children in that environment. Mm -hmm. And because she was covering her whole life, each section felt like it skimmed the surface in some ways where I wanted it to go deeper. But if she did that, the book would have been thousands of pages. (laughs) (laughs) Which it sounds like you would have read gladly. I would have read them all. (laughs) I also would have loved to hear more about her thoughts post-presidency and on the current administration and on that transition to real life. And there was a little bit about their own transition in the prologue, but that could make for a whole nother book. Maybe in a few years, she'll write that one. (laughs) Yeah, we can only hope. I would recommend this book wholeheartedly. 
And I bet it would be an amazing audiobook because I think she is the reader. She is. I'm on the list for the audiobook at the library. And actually, the ebook came up for me already, mm. but I just sent it back because I was like, no, nope, gonna wait. I need to hear Michelle tell her own story. Yes hold out for it. I haven't taken myself off the list, so I might re-listen to certain sections of it in her own voice sometime in the summer when it's my turn. (laughs) I love it. What have you been reading? I recently finished Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens. This is one where I was on a long list at the library. I think this is a pretty popular novel these days. So I was on a long list, but then I went to our library and it was a Lucky Day book, Mm. which at our library is a two-weeker And so I prioritized reading this over Christmas and the new year. It's a novel about Kaya. At the beginning of the book, I think she's like 11. And the sort of initial picture you get is her being gradually abandoned by all her family to live alone in a house in the marsh of North Carolina. There are also parts that are interspersed with the present day of the book where people are investigating a murder. It's essentially about how she survives on her own, her loneliness, and the relationships she forms throughout her life. And starting out with the book, I thought it was going to be kind of depressing and not really for me because I thought it was going to be about a child being abused and abandoned. Mm -hmm. But because of the interspersing with the modern day, and her story is chronological. So she starts out young, and then you see her moving forward as the present day moves forward as well, just at different speeds, and they eventually converge into a murder mystery courtroom drama slash science and naturalist novel Hmm. because part of what she does in being alone is forms these deep relationships with the natural world around her. Mm -hmm. And so that resulted in Barbara Kingsolver-esque really beautiful language and descriptions of this really beautiful part of my state And then there are also these twists around the courtroom piece of it, Mm -hmm. and then her character development and how she forms relationships with people despite feeling so very alone. That sounds great. Was it really suspenseful in the courtroom drama part? I wouldn't say that it's scary, but it is suspenseful in terms of the outcome of the trial. Okay. And that's the part where I was like flipping frantically through the pages <laughs> to try and figure out what happened. Yes. So I would enthusiastically recommend this book. There was not much that I didn't like about it. I was surprised by how much I did like it. Hmm. I really, really liked it. Sounds like a winner. Let's move to our topic for today, which is routines. We thought that this would be a good topic for the new year. And I will say that after a couple weeks of having fewer routines in my life, I am eager to hear about yes, and talk about how they are working and not working for us. So we'll start with our general thoughts about routines. When we originally picked this topic, I was looking forward to it and felt like I had a lot to say, (laughs) although I anticipated a lot would be aspirational because this is our (laughs) first week back into our new routines, and I have many, many ideas about how that will look. Uh Check in in a few months and see how those are doing. But when I started to write the outline, I realized I think I had been conflating habits and routines Mm -hmm. because there are many things that I want to be habitual and are not part of our routine. I guess I'm not quite sure what the distinction is there. Yeah. I don't know if it's that a habit is more automatic where a routine requires more forethought and effort at applying it. Where do you land on this? 
I read something that said that a routine is a series of habits. Mm. So habits, maybe you said this already, but they feel like they're sort of things that you do automatically. Right. But a routine would be like stringing them together. In a consistent way. Exactly. Day after day or on a certain timeline. Yeah. So I think that I am pro-routine in theory, but in practice, (laughs) I prioritize having the flexibility. Yeah. Because when I start to analyze what routines do I have, my day-to-day changes a lot based on what order I feel like doing things, that Mm. I don't have a strict morning routine. I wake up and do X, Y, and Z. There's obviously certain things I have to do, like making my children's lunch so they can eat, (laughs) but I don't do that in the same order or at the same time every morning. It just gets done by the deadline which is school starting. That's fair. And I think that's true for lots of different aspects. I have things I prioritize and I want to fit in, but they're not part of a set routine. Yeah. Unless it relates to my kids. The most routines I have have to do with their schedule and making that consistent for them so they know what to expect. But personally, I have fewer. That's definitely true for me in that my routines are dictated mostly by childcare and Plum's schedule and the things that she needs. Mm-hmm. But I also think I'm like you in that I am much more flexible about routines in general, that I don't necessarily feel tied to them in the same way that I think a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. It made me think about Gretchen Rubin's four tendencies. Mm. I identify as a strong questioner. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering if that is a personality type that is not that convinced by the benefits of routines in general. Right. I definitely cherish flexibility and I don't like my routine to be dictated by external factors. Mm -hmm. Things like class signups, gym memberships. I can deal with it when there is financial reward involved. So I can deal with routines dictated by paid work. Right. Other than that, I kind of chafe at them a little bit, even at the same time as I can see their benefits. Yes. And I'm not sure I would have said that about myself before thinking through it. I think I would have said, routines, they're great. I love routines. (laughs) Yes. Totally. When the reality is a bit more complicated than that. Especially in the new year season of resolutions, there's this idea that routines are what you should aspire to and that they're really awesome. Mm -hmm. But I think it's also good to have the conversation of, is this really serving me? Is this really working for me? Yes. For example, my goal for January was to establish a morning routine. (laughs) But... Here we are on day eight, and I have abandoned that goal. (laughs) Totally. I haven't abandoned the parts of it. I wanted to set my alarm, to wake up at six, and do a meditation and my physical therapy exercises, to have that out of the way before the day started. Turns out, I really do not want to wake up with an alarm. I'm a morning person, but I have spent so many years of my life now waking up in the five o'clock hour because of my children. Against your will, essentially. Yes. Now I just (laughs) want to get my sleep. I just want to sleep till seven if I feel like it. And often I'm up before then, but I don't want to have to be up before then just because I somehow think it's a good idea to get these things done at six as opposed to at 10. So I'm still wanting to do the meditation and the physical therapy, but the mornings where I did wake up and do it, I felt really irritated about using my time for that instead of for what I wanted to do 
that morning, whatever that was, even if it was, well, now I want to go make the lunches so that that's out of the way and then feeling annoyed that I was doing these other things. Yeah. Part of that is that I now feel like I have the flexibility where before the morning routine sounds so ideal when you're a parent because you have little control once your kids are up over a lot of your time. Yes. But if you wake up early, that's time just for you and that that's the time where you can get things done. And I feel like it's (laughs) presented as this amazing opportunity that you're missing if you don't do it. Uh huh. But I'm such a terrible person if I don't get enough sleep that there may be a slight payoff in the morning, but it's taken from the afternoon when I could be a happier person if I'd slept in. Like it doesn't translate throughout the day. Yeah. So you mentioned that the morning routine is not working for you so well. Mm -hmm. Are there routines that are working for you? So one thing that's working is just routines that help create the environment for success is how I'll frame it. Yeah, totally. And one of those is having my phone sleep in a different room from us. (laughs) So it sleeps in the studio here in the guest room. (laughs) And I don't turn on our internet until I get home from dropping the kids off at school. So for us, our internet router is plugged into a power strip that makes a noise. So we turn it off at night so it doesn't bother us while we're sleeping. And then just not turning it back on until the kids are already at school. And that has made the mornings go so much smoother. There was so much time I was frittering away reading the New York Times or checking my email that would make the latter part of the morning feel really rushed because Mm -hmm. I'd spent the whole first part of the morning casually looking at my phone and not making progress on anything, where now I feel like I'm better able to connect with my kids and I'm better able to get the stuff done that we need to do in a less rushed manner. Hmm. So I don't know if that's a routine or just a habit or a habit that helps facilitate a better routine (laughs) for the morning, but whatever it is, it's been working. That's good. I've been trying to do something similar in the afternoon after school of just not having my phone out. I've been less successful with that, but there's been a big improvement that's felt good. Nice. Do you have any routines that you're trying to establish in your life right now? Yes. Andrew and I are working on a new year routine where we go to bed really early and get in bed really early. Like last night we got in bed at 8.15 and we both read our books. Mm. Then we wake up really early on certain days of the week. So it's not every day. Mm-hmm. One of the driving things behind this routine was that I started to feel like if I'm going to birth a baby that I needed to do more physical activity than I was doing. And I couldn't see a good way to fit it in given plum schedule. Right. Because she is not super jazzed about just sitting in the stroller for an hour for me to walk like she would have even a year ago. And Andrew has been wanting to be more physically active and also get into work earlier so that he can come home earlier, which is also a benefit to me. Right. So it's working so far. We've done it pretty consistently over this first week and a half or so of the new year. I think one thing that helps it work is that it's not every day. Some days we sleep until we wake up, but we do it on certain days that he wants to get in early or we do it on certain days where I have work that I want to do. And instead of staying up late to do it, I've been getting up at five and I'm actually so much more efficient in the morning. Yes. So it's having some benefits so far. So it's not on a schedule. You just look and see, would this be a good day to go to bed early and wake up early? Yeah. It's self-reinforcing too, because if you wake up at five, you're usually ready for bed by 8.30. Very true. (laughs) So that helps as well with the consistency. And having your partner on the same schedule. That's the other thing, that we are reinforcing each other doing it. Yes. And so it's not like I'm staying up late to work and he's in bed or Mm -hmm. vice versa. It's like, no, we're doing this together and we're enjoying reading our books in the bed together. And we 
actually get a lot of time to talk in the morning because Plum's not awake. Mm. He'll get up and go for a run and then wake me up. And I go for a walk while he takes a shower. And then we both eat breakfast together uninterrupted, yeah. which was unanticipated, but kind of awesome. I love those found moments like that. Yeah. So it's been working so far. We'll see. I don't anticipate that I will do this after I have this new baby. Agreed. <laughs> but it's nice that it's working now and then it might be something that would work later. That you could come back to. For sure. Neil and I have... Not a going to bed early, waking up early situation, but he's been trying to prioritize running in the new year, and Mm -hmm. I've been trying to prioritize going on a walk. And even though we're doing those at different times, sort of like what you described with Andrew going first and then you going, yeah, it's been so nice to not feel like it's a burden on your partner or you're asking more of them because we're asking for each other. Yes, exactly. On the weekends, we know we both want to fit that in and it feels easy to offer that when you know you're getting what you want out of it as well. A similar thing. Yes, exactly. Plus, I think we are just all in better moods when we're doing regular physical activity. Agreed. So another thing that I'm not sure if this qualifies as a routine, it might be more of a habit, but it's something that I wanted to mention because we've been doing it consistently for several years Hmm. based on frustrations that have come up in the past in our relationship and then were subsequently addressed in couples therapy is checking in with each other about the weekend a few days before. Hmm. So the nature of both of our work is that we often both need to work on the weekends. Right. But what was happening before was that I would be frustrated with Andrew being at work a lot in the weekend and feeling alone. So pre-kids, this even happened. And then later stuck with childcare when I either needed a break or needed to really get something done. Now we're in a really good routine where Wednesday or Thursday... We both have this expectation that one of us will check in Mm -hmm. about what the weekend's going to look like, what we each need. And then there's some like conversation and negotiation around that so that we try and both get our needs met. And that's something that we have been doing pretty consistently, at least all of Plum's life. But we really started it before. And so that is a routine, if it's a routine, that is really working for us that I'm really thankful for. That's one we're still working on. We usually do at the beginning of the weekend, check in about what's happening. But we've had a few things as we're trying to both be more physically active and fit that in Yeah. where there have been a couple instances where we've each had in our head, oh, this is when I'm going to do this. Right. And then that was not clearly communicated in advance and made it hard to adjust those expectations on the fly for the other person. Totally. From those experiences, we've been learning, okay, that didn't work. Let's check in sooner about what our plans are, even just for the next day. Right. Things like, okay, we want to get out the door for church. Who's in charge of getting the kids ready? Who's getting in exercise? Who's preparing the snack? And we both have a plan that would work great if the other person knew about it. Right. (laughs) Totally. And so we still need a little more practice, I would say, with making that work. Yeah, but I feel like an essential aspect of routines like that is the advanced communication piece. Because like you said, even if you're planning out your own routine in your head, it doesn't matter if you're not engaging with the relevant parties, you know, (laughs) who need to like be on board with it for it to work. Yep. Okay, so we have both mentioned that a lot of routines for our kids dictate the routines of our own life. So let's talk specifically about what routines you have in place for your kids and how well they're working. This section will be a lot of the aspirational part of my routine discussion. (laughs) Nice. As we're in this transition where now both kids are on the same school schedule. And before, when I was primarily at home, we almost always did a morning outing, usually to the park to meet friends, and then home eat lunch, have rest. And we almost never went out in the afternoons or evenings. We just went into our evening schedule. Mm -hmm. 
But now that they're both on the school schedule, we're trying to establish those routines. And the new year does feel like a fresh start, especially with e-school change, to really re-emphasize these. Mm -hmm. We even attempted a family meeting over the weekend before school started (laughs) to talk about them. We only made it partway through the morning routine before things devolved and the meeting ended (laughs) with tears of various members of the family. But we did come back to what the routines would be because I thought we have to talk about these before school starts. For us, the key to the morning routine for the kids has been you have to get dressed and brush your teeth before breakfast. Mm. Otherwise, no one gets ready ever. (laughs) (laughs) Breakfast takes forever and stretches on and then there's no motivation to do it because the reason you do it is to go out the door for school, which isn't a huge motivating factor when you're a kid. Right. But for my children, eating breakfast is a motivating factor. (laughs) (laughs) So you just got to put the motivation in the right place in the routine. Yes. So there's still a lot of negotiating. Well, could I do this, but not this? And it's the weekend. Do I have to do it now? What if I just today for special, I don't do? (laughs) Friends, don't do that. We tried that once. Did not work. The specialness was terrible. For everybody. (laughs) Yes. And then for the afternoon, we have coming home, hanging up their stuff, putting the lunchbox in the kitchen, and then washing their hands before having a snack. That's also been working really well. Once again, having the snack on the table, huge motivator for them to do all the things that need to happen before they can participate in the eating of the food. Nice. And then our evening routine is just your standard kid, get ready, read books, go to bed situation. And that's been the same really since they were born. Mm -hmm. Parts of that are a mess, which don't really have to do with the routine. So I won't get into that at the moment. (laughs) But I will say I make it sound like our evening routine is going really smoothly when in fact it's not. What kind of routines do you have for you and Plum? So on a weekly basis, Plum has school Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So those days, the routine looks a little different than Monday and Friday. Monday and Friday, she and I do some kind of outing, grocery shopping, park, library, indoor pool, or something fun at home, like playing outside or baking something or art project, sometimes a combination. And that's usually dictated by my work. If I have a call mid-morning, then we're not going to the library. Mm -hmm. We need to stay close so that I can do the call. And so daily, she knows usually something out and about or something fun happening in the morning, lunch, then rest or quiet playtime in the afternoon. Very similar to what you said. Mm Mm-hmm. And then bedtime routine is pretty basic and almost always done by Andrew, which is nice. Mm -hmm. So it goes jammies and night diaper, brush teeth, read books, bed. We limit the shenanigans that can occur during that by limiting the number of books Mm -hmm. and by making hard limits around teeth brushing because she's one who's like, let's brush my teeth tonight on the couch. Mm -hmm. Let's brush my teeth tonight in my bed. It's like, no, we always brush your teeth in the bathroom because that's where you brush teeth. (laughs) But she likes to try something special. I would say those routines are working for us for the most part. We're going to talk about routine aspirations next. And I have a lot of thoughts about what those routines will look like and how they'll change with adding another person to the family. But a lot of that just remains to be seen. (laughs) What aspirational routines are you thinking about these days? One goal I have for our family is to have more routines around household chores Mm. and having a time set aside on the weekend where we can all work together on doing that. Interesting. It often happens randomly now where HP will declare it is a cleaning day and then proceed to clean and enlist help from everyone saying it's cleaning day. That's awesome. It is pretty great. He likes to sweep and vacuum and dust 
But I think it would be good to have a little structure around that in case the mood doesn't strike for a few weeks, <laughs> that it still happens. Uh-huh. And just this idea that we're all a part of the family and we all pitch in and work together to help. There's some of that now around the dinner table about different responsibilities with setting the table and helping out in the kitchen if you're asked and generally helping when asked to do any household chore. But I think there would be some benefit to learning different aspects of the cleaning and having it be part of our family culture that we all work together on things that need to be done in the house. Mm. But I also know that the reality, especially if it was at a time that was unappealing to certain members of the family, that the reality would look more like potentially me and or Neil being frustrated and just generally not Pollyanna-ish and more complaining. And I'm also not sure how much weekend time we want to devote to that and how much we want to keep open. So there's this trade-off of, I want everyone in the family to be involved, but then also we like having this open time. Yeah. And I feel like that's where the flexibility comes in. Mm. Because if you say we're going to institute this new routine, and then you don't even want to do the work of enforcing the routine, Mm -hmm. when you know that maybe some of your family members are going to be resistant to it, that's just setting yourself up to be miserable when you don't even love the routine that much in the first place. Right. I wonder if it's more something like this has to be done within a certain time frame and you can choose when you do or don't do that. But then it loses this we're all working together aspect of it. It's just how consistently does it have to happen to be a routine? Listeners, we would love to hear from you on this. We clearly both do not feel strongly (laughs) about inflexibility in routines. And I would love to hear from someone with a different perspective on that. Agreed. And all these things we've discussed, that's why we've never implemented something like this before, (laughs) because it feels like too much work and I know it's not going to work, but there's something about it that still calls to me. Right. Same. I'm chore routine curious. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Along with that idea of enforcement, I would really love if the school routines that we have established require less effort on my part to enforce. Right. And I'm not sure exactly when that happens. Reading KJ Delantonio's book about being a happier parent Mm. actually gave me a lot of comfort when she talked about how many years she had to remind her children to take their plate from the table and clear it to the dishwasher. Yeah, yeah. And that that just doesn't happen just because they know it's supposed to, that you have to keep reminding them. And that's made me much more patient Mm. with repeating things over and over. It's just like, this is normal. It's normal that they're not suddenly going to do all the things they're supposed to do without any reminders (laughs) and actively choose to be efficient in their routines. Right. But I feel right now we're in that phase where they keep poking at it to see what gives. Right. And there are the constant, well, do I have to do it today? What about tomorrow? What if I do this? And what needs to happen is for me to be consistent. So eventually they stop trying that as often, but that hasn't happened yet. So one aspiration is for them to accept the permanent nature of some of these routines, even if they're not actively doing them on their own, to fight them a little less and to just know that's a really firm part of our life. It seems like that could happen relatively soon, especially given that you just had a family meeting about it. Things changed in the routine in terms of where E is going to school and that kind of thing Mm -hmm. that it could sort of start to ease in both as your kids mature and as it really is just you reinforcing it consistently. And I think it helps that both of them have to do all the same things now where E schedule had been a little bit different before. And so it's not just one, but not the other. It's this is what we're all doing. Yeah. The other area I'm hoping for some change, but not sure if it will come or not is to have a better routine with how we use our evening time. Mm. Our time is really limited after the kids are in bed and before we go to bed because we go to bed so early. And 
I'd like to think through if there's one night similar to what you're describing with you and Andrew, like looking ahead and picking a night that you're prioritizing, spending that time together or using in a certain way. Yeah. We've definitely gotten into the habit of just watching a show together after they're in bed, which I don't think is bad and quite frankly, often feels like the most relaxing and enjoyable choice. But even if it's just one night a week prioritizing playing a game together or just sitting around and talking with each other, Mm -hmm. that's something I'd like to think more about. Nice. And part of the impetus for our early to bed schedule was that we were doing just a lot of TV watching and not even TV that we love and cherish and enjoy, but just rewatching The Office because it's comforting, but it wasn't necessarily serving us. That's where we are. Let's wrap up this routine-based conversation by talking about places and times in our lives where routines have failed. Always good to end on a high note. For me, Routines without goals or reasoning behind them are always a flop. Mm -hmm. And even if there is a reason, if it's one that I do not 100% buy into as a strong questioner, there's no way I will keep the routine going. One example of this is that making any routine to be more active because usually someone else or something else takes precedence over it. Mm -hmm. If it's just to be more active, to be more active without an underlying goal, then it won't work. So my new routine where I'm being more active so that I can birth a baby, (laughs) that feels very immediate and very goal-based. Yes. And like, I don't actually have time for the routine to fail. I need it to work now. Yes. And I've had a lot more pain this pregnancy too. And I was like, I wonder Mm. if it's because I'm moving my body less. And even since I've done the little bit of walking that I have, I've been more comfortable. Those immediate results are the thing that can help me keep routine going. But I have 100% failed on being more active in the past because I didn't have that immediate goal motivator. Other routines that have failed for me in the past are ones that are set up without proper support. So we talked about this a little bit already too. Waking up early without also going to bed early, always going to fail. Yes. I have had this idea that I wanted to get up in the past and do a morning yoga practice and have even done it consistently for short periods of time in my life. Mm -hmm. But if I am not waking up rested and happy, I'm not going to do my yoga practice then. I just want to keep sleeping so that I'm not a grump later in the day. Yes. (laughs) What about your routine fails? I talked about this earlier, but morning routines always. Apparently, I'm still learning that lesson (laughs) since I made a goal for myself this year to implement one. And in a similar vein, I think there's often talk in productivity and parenthood about getting things done the night before to have an easier morning. That also doesn't work for me. (laughs) And that works for me even less. I really, really strongly resist having something to do in the evening. And the idea of prepping stuff ahead just I feel irritated even thinking about having to make a lunch after my kids are in bed. I just feel rage. Where in the morning, it's no big deal. I just make the lunches. It feels very doable and not frustrating. That seems like another one where the goal is not immediate enough to make the lunch the night before. Mm, Yes. But you have to send your kids with lunch to school or else they don't eat. Right. So it's easy. You have the immediacy of school drop off to get you making that lunch in the morning. No problem. Yeah. Thinking through everything that we've said and how I feel about routines as a whole, I like the routines that help my kids 
do what they're supposed to do. So I feel less frustrated with them, mm-hmm. which makes my life easier. Yeah. But I don't necessarily want all that structure and rules around how I'm using my time, which makes me wonder how my kids feel about having that structure <laughs> imposed on them, <laughs> dictated by somebody else. Yeah. It's a fair question and one that I think as parents it's worth thinking about. But then also you need to have clothes on before we go to school. (laughs) So I'm not asking them to meditate and do yoga before they head (laughs) off for the day. Just asking for the basics here. Yeah, these things are hard. And I think that's the end of our conversation today. But listeners, we would love to hear how this works in your life, in your family, if you have kids. And whether you are flexible or inflexible about your routines, and if you are less flexible than we are, why does that work for you? I'm so fascinated. (laughs) Let's wrap up by talking about what we've been eating. This year, I tried a new recipe for Christmas morning strata, which is a family tradition from Andrew's family that I'm sure I mentioned before on the pod. But I found this recipe from the kitchen and I modified it a little bit and it came out great. So you put bread down and then eggs and milk and sausage and cheese. You can leave it in the fridge overnight and it sort of does like a bread pudding-y kind of egg bake situation. And I liked it. But what we did that was different this year was we went out of town on Christmas Day and we had both leftover enchiladas from Christmas Eve and strata. And so I froze the strata Hmm. and I was not sure how it would do, but I wanted to report to podcast listeners that it did amazing. And Andrew has been pulling an individual serving of strata out and having it for his lunch. Hmm. And so this is another dish that I did not necessarily anticipate being good, frozen and then reheated, Mm -hmm. but that it actually has come out really well. So listeners, if you are looking for things like that, I would recommend this and you could eat it one day for dinner or for breakfast and then freeze a lot and it would be really good. Intriguing. I would have never guessed that that would be something that would do well after being frozen. I'm always a little weird about eggs. Right. And cheese is not always great either. And there's a lot of cheese in this, but it worked out. Good to know. What have you been eating, Sarah? I want to talk a little bit more about the Yule log I made. I cannot wait to hear this update. (laughs) I saw an in-progress picture and I have heard nothing else about it. Inspired by the Great British Baking Show. So thank you, Netflix, (laughs) for being part of my holiday. It was more complicated than most things that I make. Each individual piece wasn't that hard, but it was a lot of the, you whip the egg whites and then Mm. you move that and then you whip the yolks and then you fold it together. You bake the one part and you make the filling. So I did a chocolate cake part of the roll. Okay. And then a cream cheese, creamy filling. Cannot go wrong with cream cheese. Yes. And you make essentially a cream cheese frosting, then you set it aside, and then whipped cream, and then you fold that together for it. Mm. So it's a lighter filling than just having the thick frosting. And then you set aside part of the frosting part and add melted chocolate to it. And then that makes the part that goes on the outside. The bark of the log. (laughs) Yes. I hadn't done that part when I sent you the picture. And I tried doing the thing with the fork where you make it look like an actual log. Did not turn out well. Ended up just smoothing it all out. (laughs) (laughs) love it I found it to be really delicious obviously not something I would make on a regular basis because it did require almost every pan in my house (laughs) and had washing them multiple times I think in the future I might not put the frosting on the outside that I really liked the inside part and the frosting felt like a little bit much Mm. E and I were good partners in eating because she only liked the frosting oh good (laughs) she can eat the frosting and then I would have the middle part that's so good and I think it's something I'd like to repeat it was really fun having a dessert that just looked really beautiful 
I don't often make things that are complicated like that. And seeing the swirl when you cut into it just felt very satisfying. Sounds like it. In this aren't I an excellent baker kind of way. (laughs) It was a great bake. (laughs) So I would mark this one down as a success of our Christmas eating experiences. Nice. That's all for this episode of Friendlier. It's been great talking with you, Abby, and with all of you listeners. You can find us on our website, friendlierpodcast.com, on Instagram at friendlierpodcast, or email us, friendlierpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, may your books be engaging, your food delicious, and your conversations friendly. It's fine if you don't. I was just going to Yeah, let's just skip it. (laughs) Okay. Let's just move on. Moving along. I just want to use that time how I want to use that time, not how I decided some other day that I should use that time. Mm, Yeah. It's like, don't tell me about what I'm doing with my morning routine. Pass, Sarah. (laughs) You're not the boss of me. (laughs) I'm on the edge of my seat.